Welcome to Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of comicbook.com. I am your host, Kofi Outlaw, and I am here with my co-host, Matt Mueller, and we're going to be basically taking you guys through a deeper discussion of all the many topics we cover here at comicbook.com. We're talking TV, movies, anime, everything in between. And with us today is our third host, Brandon Davis. Hello. Thank you for having me, Kofi. Now, after that nice, succinct introduction, let's talk a little bit about who we are, what the show is going to be about, and just kind of introduce ourselves. Uh, I'll start off, I guess. I'm Kofi Outlaw. I've been doing this for about a decade now. I've been with comicbook.com here for about going on three years, uh, mostly in the back, just kind of writing up features and articles and hiding behind a desk. But then somebody had the bright idea to say, let's get him out there and give him a microphone and let him speak for a while, <laughs> which is kind of an experiment in progress that we're unfolding. But here I am. Uh, some of you may have remembered me from another podcast that I did that we will not mention for various legal reasons, but I was on that for a while, and now I'm back again, so I'm happy to be back here, and I'm happy to be doing this with these guys. So uh, just in the interest of transparency and always keeping it real with the people on this show, Matt Mueller, why don't you tell a little bit about yourself? The way you introduced me there kind of scared me a little bit, because you were like... And the, and the thing of transparency, I was like, what did I do? Did I do something wrong? I, mean, I did not do anything wrong. I mean, over the, you've done a lot wrong, and over well, the course fair. of the show, we're going to unveil that's it. That's like my entire life. To the people, but like, yeah, <laughs> we, we just start off like a first date. I like do not have date. a mugshot. Okay. Though my license picture could be considered. It's been terrible. redacted, but like, I mean, this is like a first date, so like, <laughs> let's just ease them into this warm bath nice and slow. Uh, so I'm Matt Mueller. I've been here about actually the same amount of time, about three years, and uh, I tend to write Power Rangers and comics. Uh, and mostly though Power Rangers, a lot, like a lot of Power Rangers. Like at one point I'm going to morph at some point. You won't see it here. Well, maybe I'll debut it here. I have it. It's a thing. <laughs> it's a thing. It's coming. We should probably tell, I mean, I'm kind of the surly skeptic guy. You're kind of more like the, you're the enthusiastic fan. You were like the positivity vibe. Man. That's true. Most of the time, until but I'm going to be a little negative also, in this yeah, show. Yeah, until you yeah. aren't. Right? Also, Matt uh, has a trophy for the nicest guy in the office. Is that mine still? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's definitely All right, well, there you Yeah, go. buddy. I didn't have a lot of trophies in high school, but I got some now. But, but every little... once in a while, you can trigger Matt Mueller. That's yeah, very true. There's and a little then, pepper. Very opinionated. And then little, things little change. Pepper a little salt and pepper. A little salt and yeah. pepper. What, what? Yeah. 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 But third, and certainly not least, I mean, do we even have to introduce you? I mean, anybody <laughs> seeing this probably knows you, right? Like, <laughs> I hope you, so. If not, I'm doing face. a really bad job. If you don't know this guy, he's a guy on the Aquaman commercials. You'll see his name splashed, <laughs> splashed all over those commercials. That's the top of my resume. For like, mean, whenever I go looking for a new job, that's going to be it. Like, hey, I was on the Aquaman commercial. But I, uh, yeah, hi guys. Uh, my name is Brandon Davis. My friends call me BD. Uh, and so I, I've been with comicbook.com for over four years now. Amateurs. Wow. Um, <laughs> uh, but no, I've, I, uh, I do a lot with The Walking Dead. I do a lot... Movie, different movie stuff, kind of a little bit of everything, um, and it's 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 really cool. I mean, I don't really know how where else to go from there. My, I was on the Aquaman commercial. I, don't I mean, know. I mean, how much bigger can I mean, you, you get? You can't get much bigger right yeah. now, right? I mean, we know that that probably helped push that film to billion dollars, but we'll get to that. In I a mean, I'm bit. not saying I'm the reason Aquaman made. We're gonna so get much to money. that in a little bit. Yeah, probably just take it down a notch. We'll get to you and your glorious <laughs> achievements in a minute. So basically, uh, Comic Book Nation, this is for you guys, the fans. We are here because you know, after many years of getting yelled at for our various articles and accused of clickbaiting and other good stuff, we decided maybe we should stretch out this format just a little bit to show you. There's a little something rattling around in these heads of the people who work here, 
and we actually do have some deeper thoughts and views on the things we write and how we feel about them that we'd love to share and discuss with you guys, and we're hoping you will be part of the show and stick with us and kind of interact with us as we go on. And you'll get to meet various people from staff that we'll be yanking in here without, you know, kind of like the CIA, without their knowledge, <laughs> and just bag tag them and have them answer we'll to you guys <laughs> if we need to and various other things. So that's to get said. Let's get started. And uh, first we're going to do a quick news flash where we just kind of discuss quickly a few news topics. In this case, we're going to take just one news topic this week and then we'll get into some deeper dives over some of the larger topics that we really want to dig into and break down and discuss. So for our first news flash topic, we are going to be discussing the 2019 Oscars. Here, I would say, like, here at comicbook.com, per se, we don't necessarily lean into the Oscar material that much. We're kind of more into the kind of fan service, sci-fi, superheroes, horror. But this year brought us some interesting crossover because Marvel, for the first time ever, is putting up a Best Picture nominee in the form of Avengers Infinity... I'm just kidding. I just moonlighted you right there. It's really Black Panther. (laughs) I just had to pull a little La La Land moonlight Uh, on you. But uh, Black Panther. Black Panther was nominated for seven Academy Awards, including Best Picture, and it's that Best Picture nod that has really kind of taken Marvel to the next level of the game. So, first question for you guys. Do you think that Black Panther will win Best Picture? Does it have a snowball's chance in hell? I mean, I don't think so. But no, I don't think so either. Yeah. But it's, is it, Okay, no. so that was quick. Well, no, okay. Yeah, no, I mean, no. That's just see that, I mean, that's for, for, I mean, if I'm being honest, there was a, another Marvel movie that I enjoyed more than Black Panther last year, and I haven't seen all of the movies that are nominated, but A Star is Born was like far and beyond my favorite movie of the year. So I think that Black Panther, if Black Panther were to win Best Picture over a movie like that, to me, that'd just be kind of wild. Like, it would also, you have to look at this and say, are we talking about just the movie or are we talking about how Black Panther kind of exceeded being just a movie because it became like a cultural phenomenon? It became a thing where at the movie theaters and in the radio and everything, not just comic book fans, but literally everybody was talking about Black Panther, and it was a really important thing. It was a really important milestone, basically, for the, the world, for cinema. So if we're talking about that, then there's no movie that did the, what Black Panther did. Yeah. But just See, as a movie, in terms of buying a ticket, sitting down, and experiencing a film... Black Panther can't compare I mean, to him. But see, here's my issue. sneeze at that 700 million domestically. Like, but here's my issue with what's that. What's coming? I mean, Justice League made, made point... seven, or no, not close no, to that. Did not. Well, <laughs> I, I was thinking worldwide. <laughs> yeah, no, we're talking, I just take a, it back. We're talking domestically. I'll never compare Black Panther and domestically is unheard of these days. Like, yeah, that's yeah. insane. That's great. But like, uh, can I? Like you said, that I mean, you can only do that by becoming a bona fide kind of cultural phenomenon for a long time at the box office. And I hate being negative. Let me just yeah, preface we just it with sold that. You as a I know, guy. I know, so but I, but here's here? my here's my problem. So yes, I am starting with the positive. I am happy that it's in the discussion. I, I think it's great that a superhero movie is there. Can I just say that I'm a little disappointed that the movie that made that jump was Black Panther and not Wonder Woman because I think Wonder Woman's a better movie than Black Panther, and Wonder Woman also had a movement with an entire gender. And it also did well at the box office. So I think they're late. I think the Oscars are late to the party. And I'm a little bummed. You could go back further with another particular DC movie. Like, how did The Dark Knight not get this award? 
I mean, as those a, were different, crazier yes. times back then. I mean, and Dark Knight was had to be the sacrifice that even opened up the door so that. <laughs> and I mean, it was the or, bloody goats. Yeah, that for, basically comic book movies could get a best picture. <laughs> mom, like. For me, and and for me, Dark Knight is above both Wonder Woman and Black Panther. Yeah, Dark I mean, Knight yes. and Dark because I mean, Dark Knight is a comic book movie, but it was like. It's a really good movie. It was also like it could have not been based on a comic at all, and I still would have loved it just as much. Yeah, it was one of the best crime thrillers we've seen in like right in the last. Even though that last twenty minutes was bloated. And, and Black That's Panther, funny. Black Panther has a similar is similar to that in the fact that it is a comic book movie, but it also kind of supersedes that in the topics, the the real world topics that it tackles. But it does. I don't think it crossed into Dark Knight territory in the real like the realism of it. Like no. Dark Knight could have been, a, I mean, there's no Batman, there's nobody who can fly around a city like that, but you get what I'm saying, right? Like, it's, yeah. it's a gritty, it feels real. It makes you believe. Yes, myth it feels it. like yes. that could happen. It's a psycho, like you said, psychological thriller, unlike, there are, there are so few movies, psychological thrillers, that you can put in there, let alone comic book movies. Yeah, yeah. I think that without Mike, like the whole storyline with uh, uh, Michael B. Jordan and Sterling K. Brown as Eric Killmonger and his father in those powerful, dramatic moments, I don't know if this film would have you know, made it yes. over the hump into getting those nominations. But those, like you said, the real world ties through those characters kind of opened it up and kind of got it where it needed to be with enough dramatic heft that I could see why. And the cultural kind of phenomenon ties. Yeah. Is just and, and at the same time, you have you know. to kind of applaud the heft of Disney for letting it go there because like, this is a Disney movie. How, yeah. I mean, there's a, Eric Killmonger says, bury me in the sea. And he makes a, he makes like a very bold and dramatic reference to slavery, like that. That's not something that you're you, you're expecting when you go into a movie from Disney because it's a movie that is like targeting families and and they kind of steer clear of politics or real world crisis or issues. And Black Panther really wasn't afraid to tackle those things. I mean, at all. No, that, at all. Notions of family, race, stuff like that. So I see it. Why it's there, but I agree. I don't think it's going to walk away with, you know, the thing. Let's look at the full list of nominees, just for the record. You have, and we're just going to do Best Picture, because does yeah, anybody no, really no. care about the rest of them? <laughs> I mean, come All on. right, so we got Black Panther, <laughs> Black Klansman, Bohemian Rhapsody, The Favorite, Green Book, Roma, A Star is Born, and Vice. So, out of this list, and we don't think Black Panther's going to get it, what do you guys pick as your Oscars Best Picture winner for the year? I mean, personally, I would love to see Black Klansman. I'd love that movie, but uh, I don't think it'll also walk away. I think some of the other picks, I think Star is Born has a really big chance just because of mainstream popularity. I think it's just caught on in a way, you know. Uh, so that's my pick that will win. I would like to see Black Klansman. I really want to see a Star is Born win, but I think the fact that Bradley Cooper didn't get nominated for Best Director... Kind of means they see some flaws in that movie or something. I don't know how. I think it's a fantastic movie. I think he did an amazing job as a director, like right down to choosing, to putting the dog outside the garage. Oh, my God. Uh, but um, I think either Black Klansman or Bohemian Rhapsody are going to win. Oh. Bohemian Rhapsody, really? Yeah, I mean, based on the... Yeah. My, I think the three that I see being the real front runners are Bohemian Rhapsody and only because of the Golden Globe win that probably gave it some more momentum. Uh, the favorite because it's kind of, I mean, comedies are a little bit harder, but the period piece, the big actress, you know, the performances from Rachel Weisz and uh, Emma Stone have gotten, and uh, what's her name who won the actual, uh, I forget the actress's name who won the Golden Globe for playing the Queen. So that's kind of 
you know, old stuffy Oscars material. And yeah. Roma is like the artistic, you know, Alfonso Cuaron made Roma, which is this artistic favorite. And, that could know. definitely be a contender. And so it just seems like we're going to get, at the end of the day, I think we're going to get, I mean, Black Panther's kind of like the hot arm candy to put on to get people. <laughs> I mean, they the want Oscars. people to watch the Oscars. Yeah, exactly. They know the only reason we're talking about the Oscars right now is because Black Panther yeah, exactly. got a nod. So they're our audience right now. So they're playing work. Are like yeah. unicorns to the Oscars. They're playing work. We're, we're starting talking off about a whole the whole podcast talking about the Oscars. <laughs> so let me ask you this though before you move on. If Black Panther does win, does Ryan Coogler accept the award or does Kevin Feige accept the award? I mean, it should Who be... goes up and speaks? I think that at this point, Kevin Feige should be in a lair with like 100 TVs just watching <laughs> his entire universe and should rarely come out in public or do stuff. He's got people for that. So I think Ryan Coogler should accept the board. Plus, it just looks better. I think it looks bad if Feige yeah, is out there. You I think you have a movie called Black have Panther that wins. Some right? Yeah. White guy Feige. You can see like, the memes now. We did yeah. it. Like, no, I don't it's going to be awful. So, like, yeah. so, all right. We'll be kind of halfway tuned into the Oscars somewhat, no. kind of. Uh, when hoping for a good trailer commercial or something. Yeah. I'll catch it on Twitter. The holo, Tupac's hologram. <laughs> I'm looking forward to Tupac's hologram hosting and, you know, like all I don't even have stuff. a host. So, uh, yeah. We'll be kind of halfway tuned in on February I would 24th. totally watch if Tupac's hologram was hosting. Oh, yeah. No I would doubt. totally watch that. No doubt. But, okay, so that wraps it up for our news <laughs> <What>? flash. <laughs> that wraps it up for our news flash. Stay tuned because we're about to dive deep down the rabbit hole of Avengers Endgame theories after the break. So right now we are waiting and waiting and waiting because Avengers Endgame is on its way, but it is still shrouded in mystery even though we got that first trailer. It actually raised more questions than answers. Then we got the Spider-Man Far From Home trailer which also raised more questions than answers. And we know that like Marvel fandom can't deal with just sitting around with a brain full of questions and anticipation. So ever since the Endgame trailer came out, we've seen, I mean, just a flood of fan theories about every single aspect of this movie. And it's our wonderful job to sweep those all up, put them all <laughs> together, and put them out there for you guys. So we are going to take some time and kind of just play catch up with some of what we've heard about Endgame and the theories that have been presented, you know, which ones are kind of crazy and out there and which ones might actually make some sense. So we're going to start in-house because, uh, you know, I bet I believe it's good to start cleaning your own house before you start airing everybody else's dirty laundry. <laughs> so let's start with a theory that we've been mulling over. And I mean, it's been racking our brains here. We've gotten all metaphysical as we're discussing BD kind of was the source of this theory. He first jumped in about how Spider-Man Far From Home is connected to Endgame. And you had an interesting theory. I think you should probably share that with the people. Yeah, this is, I'm happy you brought this up because this, is, this was going to be my theory for the day. Um, no, I think, because everybody, I said this once, I said, I said Spider-Man Far From Home will take place before Avengers Infinity War in a world where Avengers Infinity War is never going to take place. And everybody was like, rah! BD, you're so stupid. <laughs> Kevin Feige said it takes place minutes after Avengers Endgame. Well, guess what? What are we expecting in Avengers Endgame? Time travel, right? We're, we're, some form some of are, it, yeah. right? Yeah. So, we're going to... Spider-Man is not going to be dead forever. Black Panther, not dead. We just got him. Come on. Uh, so, obviously, these snap victims are going to come back in some way. We, we're, I'll bet my, my own life on that. I don't, whatever. Maybe not all of them. But... Um, 
So Spider-Man is back and far from home. It can take place minutes after Avengers Endgame, which, if that's even true, we don't know if they're lying. They lied about the title of Avengers Endgame. But so Avengers Endgame can start somewhere in a timeline and end prior to where it began in a new timeline where they fixed things, and that is where Spider-Man Far From Home can start in a new timeline that takes the MCU forward into its next phase. Does that make, did, I, did I lay that out I think that in a way sense. that you can understand it? Yeah, I mean, it... It, no, well, no. I, I, listen, we talked <laughs> about comment sections. We talked about we we like to address the comment section here. The comment section likes to tell me that e- either a I'm stupid or b a, they don't understand it. So <laughs> it, it could be. You look like directly those, me, and I was like, look at what you comment section has done to poor Brandon Davis. No, don't ever. For just a I simple stopped. Spider-Man listen, Avengers theory. All I try to do is share my thoughts and. And just lose sleep over well, it. I hate to tell lose you, but sleep. you're currently sitting out on a podcast where you're putting even more of your thoughts and feelings out there it's for, very true. for possible yeah, abuse. But uh, that's, that's neither here nor there. Um, let's go back. So the Spider-Man theory has been one that has been growing. People have been kind of taking that on and breaking it down and getting even more specific about it, saying that like Endgame will actually kind of negate what happened with the snap or the decimation as it's officially called now at least in some way yeah and we'll actually put like peter right back on the bus where he was in infinity war before he went into space and that has been that part i said that the first time i came up with this theory that part i don't believe that that's going to be true anymore because um i think it would be so cool if they did tie it together like that but uh in infinity war when tony stark says to peter what are you doing here kid he says, I was on a field trip. We were going to the Museum of Modern Arts. So Spider-Man Far From Home is clearly either a field trip, which would be the most unrealistic part of the movie, a New York public school going on a field trip <laughs> to Europe, but, or just a trip with friends uh, to Europe. So they're, on their, they're going to the airport somehow. So they're not. if that bus really was going to the Museum of Modern Arts, then it couldn't be. But I think that would be... The cool, like that would be the an awesome way to tie. No, just it together. to clarify, I don't think he would be on the bus and then immediately start far from home. I think like far from home would start in the fact that he would be back on the bus, have a normal trip, and then oh, sure. progress. Yeah, and then a couple months later, because in Infinity War it's clearly still the school year, and in Far From Home it's summer vacation. So right. like it would just progress, and then we would far from home would be our first. It would be a way of giving us our first look at how life mm-hmm. in the MCU progresses after this point in this new timeline. Right. And and there's some clues in the Far From Home trailer. Like the the statue on the top of Grand Central Station is different. I mean, we saw I mean it got destroyed in the Avengers when the Hulk and Thor came crashing in there on a Leviathan. But it's now a bunch of it's not angels anymore. In this Far From Home trailer right there in front of Avengers Tower, it's police officers and firemen. And it looks a lot like the police officers and firemen who Captain America gave instructions to in the first Avengers movie, and it doesn't seem to give us any indication that there is any memory of Infinity War from anybody. I mean, and obviously, if there was, they wouldn't show us that in this trailer. True. But there is no reason to believe that it is. So I think it could be like a combination of, like, Secret Wars, where only some of them are going to remember it, and I think if anybody's going to remember it, it's going to be the ones who are still alive right now and the ones who have to do the job to undo it. So Peter Parker will then not remember it. He'll still think, oh, man, I want to be an Avenger. When this movie starts, and therefore it starts possibly. That's kind of where I'm leading to. Yeah. It's like, yeah, Far From Home will be pick up and there won't be a memory. Now, people have refuted this because the kind of combating theory to that is the theory makes sense in a lot of ways, except 
that would negate the importance and impact of Avengers Infinity War. Did you ever think they were all dead forever? No, I don't. But there's a lot of fans who are going to, you know, be reading the riot act if all their trauma and sadness turns out to be... They could read whatever they want, whatever riot act they want. I don't care. I know how I felt the first time I sat in a theater and watched Bucky disappear. I know how I felt when I watched Groot disappear. Like, even in thinking that, you know what, th- these, pe- these characters are going to come back somehow, I was shocked. I watched there, I was shocked, I, it was sad. I was like, damn, these are characters I've been with for 10 years, I'm just watching them die, this is crazy. Bring them back, that's fine. Doesn't, uh, that doesn't affect how I felt when I watched that for the first time. So do you think, if that were to happen, do you think it would affect the replay value of Infinity War? The replay value, well, maybe, yeah. Okay, well, I think essentially, yes, I think it affects it, but I don't think that matters. But watch it also. That well, it definitely. It's, I think it certainly will because in watching it, I remember being like, "Damn, now I got to wait a year." Yeah. Whereas now it's like, if you rewatch Infinity War after Endgame, knowing that these how these characters come back, you'll be like, "Ah, that's okay." So, <laughs> it, but it, it does that affect? Does any movie death hit you just as hard even the second time you watch it, even if that character doesn't come back? Good question. I Leave go it watch. out there to the fans. You decide. Yeah. Let's talk about some of the other things that we've heard. Some of the crazier things. First, let's talk about what we've heard about possible survivors, people hiding in the Infinity Gems. There are two main theories right now. One, that Gamora is somehow in the Soul Gem and kind of going to steer Thanos or, or alter him or possibly kind of affect his whole outlook and mood through the Soul Gem and kind of, you know, massaging his soul, essentially, is basically what it says. Or she'll be the key to how these people who were dusted weren't really gone, but trapped in like uh, the kind of core components of them are trapped in the soul gem. And she's going to be like the custodian of all that. The other theory is that vision isn't really gone completely, but is somehow downloaded into the mind stone and will be similarly, you know, there's similar theories that he would be able to affect Thanos or the snap to kind of give us a little safety net that we didn't know existed with what happened to these dusted characters or what he can motivate Thanos to possibly do in this next movie. Do you guys buy into any of that? Sell, sell, sell. <laughs> uh, no, I don't, I don't buy either of those. Uh, I think parts of Vision might still be alive, but in the Vision's body. And I don't think Gamora, while I think Gamora may be in the Soul Stone, she may not be, and the other the snap victims might be in the Soul Stone. I think they're going to have to come up with their plan, and the living people are going to have to come up with their plan, and then they're going to maybe merge or something. But I don't think anybody is kind of going to steer Thanos in like a psycho infinity stone. That would be just way. too much. I don't That's, buy that either. It's too much. Like it, you, for Vision and Gamora, love them both. Not important enough characters to play that big of a role, if you ask me. Gamora had a huge role in Infinity War. I was going to say, Gamora had a huge role. Though, yeah, well, so for I, about half of it. <laughs> But I think she, I think they would. I think they'd make her a central component. I don't think that's how they're going to think Nebula, change everything. That, it's Nebula's turn. I believe the Soul yeah. Stone theory more than the Mind Stone yes. theory, personally. The, she, well, I definitely, the Mind Stone, um, no yeah. way. There's no way. Soul Stone, I could see Gamora playing a part, but she won't be alone in there if, if she's in there. So uh, I, that's a lot on her, but I, I don't buy either of them, really. Let's Soul, talk Soul. time travel. Let's Quantum Realm, Captain Marvel. Because there's been so much about all this, right? That in Endgame, there's going to be some kind of major time travel component to this film that we got from not just rumors, but like early set videos when it was filming back-to-back with Infinity War that revisited kind of primarily like the Battle of New York 
that people have theorized will be kind of altered significantly by something that happens in Endgame. And as other movies have come out, Ant-Man and the Wasp and the upcoming Captain Marvel, these theories have kind of spun to fit these characters. We've heard that the Quantum Realm, and as was teased in Ant-Man and the Wasp, could be used for any number of things. Time travel, as a time travel highway with Avengers suiting up to kind of, you know, (laughs) get where they need to go across the universe or through space-time or just into some other dimension. Uh, There's been suggestions that Captain Marvel will have powers uh, that will allow her to kind of control time and time travel, which could also make her a key. And that there's theories that these two are kind of like a key and a locked, you know, quantum realm and Captain Marvel and kind of getting through there. What do you guys make of all this? Do you believe any of it? I mean, there's been some amount of evidence for these, you know, the Avengers getting quantum realm suits and then that was debunked and then maybe it wasn't debunked. We're kind of all over the place right now. Yeah, it seems like that part's, I mean... It was debunked, and then the more and more things that pop up that show those suits and that show them with, like, those uh, wrist devices and all those kinds of things, right? Like, it feels like time travel is going to be involved in some way. I don't think Captain Marvel has anything to do with that particular portion. If, it, if she does, then that's, like, a complete jump from the character in the books. The character in the books doesn't really have that like i don't necessarily want them to do that they better not i don't want them to do that I'm, i don't want them to bring her in and go like you know i can that. save everything like no 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 you still need to be flawed that's part of the reason we love her so i hope that's not the case I don't my, think my fear is like i think captain marvel's gonna play a big part in endgame not with time travel yeah but she's gonna play a big part what if her movie sucks and then like but her movie's not gonna suck brandon like what if <laughs> marvel just isn't a good movie oh my character. god is such a big that is part. one. There's two problems. I don't that. think it's gonna one, suck. One, false. No, no, two, that's not the top. <laughs> no, no, I'm not claiming the movie's. I'm not claiming the movie's gonna be bad. But what if just for one second, like, hold on, what if that movie is bad, and then she plays a huge part in Endgame? Well, I mean, it's it's kind of a question: if the movie bad, or will Brie Larson be bad as? Captain Marvel. I'm not sold on Brie Larson's Captain Marvel yet. Well, none, see, of those, none of those trailers. You're stepping into something. These I'm are not, not the topics. Though. This but is anyway, not sorry. The okay. All right. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Uh, hopefully she's great. I I think the movie could be really good. I'm just throwing that out there. Don't backtrack. That would be now. a bummer. Okay. Backtrack. So <laughs> just for the record, for Brandon Davis, the biggest key in this theory is: Can Captain Marvel even be good enough to do something? <laughs> no, I think she's going to play a big part. I don't think she'll be time travel. Also, I, to add on to what Matt said about the wrist devices. I mean, we, 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 by now we've probably all seen, if you're listening to this, you've probably seen the set photos that popped up. I wish I didn't see them. All this Battle of New York stuff. What, I mean, for me, you look at what the Russo brothers have worked on in this, in this MCU, and it started with the Winter Soldier, it went to Civil War, it went to Infinity War, now it's Endgame. Their big through line for Tony Stark has been wanting a family. That's been the thing Tony Stark wants in every time the Russo brothers have touched him. So I'm thinking, and, and they've also established a lot of little tiny details that might have seemed irrelevant, like in Civil War, the barf technology, which was just seemed like a seemingly important, unimportant scene where Tony is showing a way to explore the past and explore your memories. That could be what he's doing. Like He could just be recreating the Battle of New York to look at in what we saw because he knows that through that wormhole is Thanos. So he might just be recreating that, hoping that they could find a way to get there. I've heard you say that before with the going through the portal and directly to Thanos. And I think that's a like great theory. And I think like, that, I think, that, I think awesome. that that is how Endgame should culminate. I think they should find a way to get back to the Battle of New York with all of the heroes, all of them. And Tony should be like, you know what? If we go right up through that portal, we'll be at his front door. 
He just like in Infinity War, it's the same plan. We have one advantage. We're bringing the fight to him, or he's coming. Well, I guess it's the opposite. Never mind. I take that last part back. <laughs> but but he now like they say in Infinity War, it was he's coming to us. That was the advantage. Yeah. This way, they know where he is. He has no. He doesn't have the Infinity Stones at that point. Nope. He they can go fight him. And Take Iron Man down. already knows, could, right? Like how it could they, change. I mean, if it they do change that course of history, and Loki notices, then there's the possibility well, that's that both the space and Mind Stone could end up quickly in Thanos's. That's true. Hands. I mean, he doesn't have a gauntlet to use them per se, but they would still. I mean, the Tesseract and the Scepter are still weapons on the yeah. board during that, unless they don't change. I just think that could be such an epic moment where every Marvel hero flies up through that hole. Everyone that we've seen. I mean, there's got to be like what thirty by now, forty. Yeah. Put in both Ant Man, put in that both Wasp, oh put my in God, Captain Marvel, put in Iron Man, Rescue, the Hulk, Thor, Cat I can't the Guardians of the Galaxy, all of them. The imagine if they bring in the original Guardian. Imagine Sylvester Stallone fighting Thanos. <laughs> Look at what you just did. Look at where we went. Gosh. And you'll soon see that. Before we get too far off into a wormhole, <laughs> final thing about this theory I want to ask you guys. We've heard that there could be, I mean, we're talking about the battle in New York and bringing to Thanos' door, which I love, but we've heard that there could be a bigger threat in this movie, and even as we're coming in here to record, there's new theories that that threat could be something like the Living Tribunal, which has been teased in the MCU already, and is a major figure within the original Infinity Gauntlet storyline, because he basically is the one who makes a determination about if the Infinity Stones could even be used in the universe or not. And at first, he won't make that decision. And ultimately, because of what happens and, you know, the threat that Thanos poses to the entities of the universe, he finally says, uh, all right, I'm going to split this up. They can never be used in unison again. And then we have the whole thing with Infinity Watch and all that stuff in the 90s. Um, of course, it didn't stop the problems, you know, because we were right back for the Infinity War comics. But do you guys think we are going to see some of these cosmic entities of the Marvel Universe introduced and possibly be a threat in Endgame, or is that just going too far out? I, mean, I if hope... If you're not doing Adam Warlock, do you think... You I hope we that? don't see the Living Tribunal. I think that's too... For the lack of a better word. <laughs> I think that's too comic like comic-y without any like you haven't earned that yet you earned thanos because you teased him you developed over time you planted all these seeds to then just throw this marvel version of the supreme court in at the very end like and people are gonna be like who's this like that's a that's a what huge concept the living tribunal is a gold painted multi-faced stanley <laughs> wow <laughs> then fine <laughs> then i'll let, let it go, go. If, okay if the living tribunal is a tupac hologram then that would be amazing. <laughs> I will watch that over and over. Well, you think just like and seriously on its own, it's just too much. I just think it's too much. Yeah. Now, if you're gonna bring someone back as this like entity, because I've seen like things teased of you know these other evils that the Marvel heroes have to fight. It's been teased on toys and some other things of like these other forces that they won't mention, right? If you're gonna bring something like that, bring something that people have already seen. So like Dormammu, bring this thing that Dormammu's people are already too big. I'm saying, though, but, like, it's the only one so far that's just kind of sitting out there that we know is that powerful. You could at least bring that back, and some people would have an idea. No one's going to know who the Living Tribunal is. Sure. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm with you on that. I don't think we Like, can, as an either-or. It's too yeah, kind of heavy they, to introduce Marvel's do, version of God. I mean, and, yeah. And they, right? do, they do a really good job at Marvel Studios of, like, balancing... Like paying homage to the comics and like staking true to like characters and narratives from the source material, but also making it acceptable for the casual moviegoer yep. who doesn't. You could go, you could have gone into Infinity War and never read a comic and understood everything. And like maybe for some people, it'd be like, oh, 
That was a lot. People but, who didn't would have questions, but yes, you can. But you, the Living Tribunal, I think they will do something where they split up the Infinity Stones and maybe you go towards an Illuminati direction, but I don't think you necessarily... I don't know, that's... No, I mean, it could, I mean, that technique like that is so iffy. Like, it could work really well, like, you know, the end of 2001, A Space Odyssey. Where there's a cosmic rebirth and, you know, all this really heady stuff that is now classic. But it could also go like The Matrix Reloaded, which right. is where you just tear the <laughs> wheels off of everything. Where you just end up in God's office for some lengthy philosophical discussion and you're like... What has happened in this movie? I think the negatives outweigh the positives. Yeah, in that. exactly. So I think we would skip that. I think you're right. At this point, what Endgame is, you, I mean, it's about wrapping up what's already there. not And then setting up and teasing what's next. How many more actors are left in Hollywood anyway that haven't been in a Marvel? <laughs> I mean, do we have enough? Uh, I don't know. I have to see the current list. Do we of, have people uh, to choose from? We have to see the current list of the accused. I'm sure there's a few. Um <laughs> But on that note, let's just move off of Marvel and Avengers Endgame. We'd love to hear more from you guys about any theories you're really into. You know, you can hit us up. We'll give you our Twitter handles and all that stuff at the end. But we're going to move on because next we're going to go to the other side of the cinematic universe and talk about Brandon's new uh, pet project, this thing called the DCEU. So let's talk about it. As we're recording this, Aquaman is now a billion-dollar earner yeah, buddy. for DC Films and has kind of, I would say, really helped the franchise get a new lease on life in a way after the kind of Zack Snyder era and all the confusion and trouble and darkness. You had Wonder Woman kind of break out right when Jeff, before Justice League came out, and then that inspired a lot of hope for Justice League, which was ultimately dashed by the mess that that movie was. But Aquaman's the one to step out now, fully kind of clear of the Snyder era, and begin this new era of what we now know are going to be mostly standalone features, creator-driven features is what Warner Brothers says they're going with. And James Wan, James Wan, Jesus, uh, James Wan, and you know the influences that Zack Snyder put to get Jason Momoa in that role. Seem to have really worked out to the tune of a billion dollars. I mean, it's earning Marvel movie money now. So do we think that the DCEU has gotten... Or just, let's stop saying DCEU because it's all getting confusing. Because it's not a thing either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even know if it's even ever name was your a thing. Name it. <laughs> let's just talk about DC films because there is a couple multifaceted things happening here. And do you guys think the momentum is going to continue? This year, we have Shazam coming up in April. And then we're going to get into what... The real interesting thing about this for me is, is when they're kind of spinning off, you know, we had the DCEU interconnected films, but then they decided that before everything was going to be a standalone, they were going to do a separate standalone God. that's not connected to this <laughs> interconnected universe. And that begins with Joker. Uh, Todd Phillips, you know, the Hangover director Todd Phillips is making this Joker origin story movie with Joaquin Phoenix that's completely independent of any of these other DC movies. And it's almost kind of a crime drama that has socio-political overtones about class and you know and it's kind of a reflection of our own society in a, right now in a way um and i think that's very interesting but i can see how shazam will keep the dc train rolling but what do you guys think is going to first of all do you think that film is going to be a success and what do you think is going to happen when we then have to make the jump to something like joker because wonder woman 1984 the sequel is not coming out until summer 2020 now instead of the end of this year and so we only have really Shazam and whatever happens with Joker to judge for this year. 
unless Joker sucks, it makes a lot more money than Shazam, even if Shazam is great. I think Shazam is going to be really fun. I have a lot of faith in Shazam. I think it's going to be a good movie. I don't think it's a billion-dollar movie. I don't think it's something that will get the mainstream audience's attention in a huge way. It's going to be tough for that. And, and, and I don't know if the trailers are doing a really great job of actually marketing what it is. If I were to walk up to somebody, one of my friends outside of this bubble, and I said, have you heard of Shazam? First of all, they'd say no. And if they had seen the trailer, they'd be like, yeah, what is that about? So Aquaman, on the other hand, was such a huge success because it had Jason Momoa, who transcends geek culture. He is, it's Aquaman. So first of all, it's like a title that was, people say, oh, you make fun of Aquaman. And like even Entourage made fun of Aquaman, but people were familiar with it then. And then you heard all the Vinny Chase jokes because this character, uh, this name hit the mainstream audience. Like what you see coverage from different media. You saw the Haka dance from the premiere on Barstool Sports. Like, that's not our audience. That's a very different audience. Yeah. Jason Momoa transcends geek culture. He reaches different people. And Aquaman was a good movie. It was a little long, but it was a really good. Imagine if it was a little shorter, it probably would have made more money, would have sold more tickets. People could have, could have had more showings at the theater. I don't know. But it, it was a little bit long, but I thought it was a really good movie. And Shazam, I think, is going to have a hard time hitting that same amount of people. Uh, I think it's going to be a really fun movie of a billion dollars. I don't. I think that's a stretch. And I think Joker is going to do what Aquaman did, where Joker is such a transcendent character, thanks to the Dark Knight making him that way. He's always been a great character in comics. He's always been probably, I mean, he's on the Mount Rushmore of comic book villains. But he became mainstream. He's been. He's he's the one villain who's been in. What villain has been in more movies than the Joker? People know of him, and now you have Joaquin Phoenix playing him. You've seen so many people excited for him. That little teaser they put out built a huge buzz. Same thing. You saw it on Barstool Sports. That's kind of my gauge. If you hit that audience, that different audience that likes totally different things, you, you, will, see, you, will, see people, you will see a big box office if the movie doesn't suck. So that's interesting. You think Shazam's going to be the stumble and Joker's going to be... Not a stumble. It, it, it could be... It could be a great movie, which, it, which, in my opinion, if you make a great film, that's all that matters. I don't think it's going to be, a, by no means is Shazam going to bomb at the box office, unless it sucks. And I don't think it will. I haven't seen it. I haven't talked to anybody who's seen it, so I don't know. But I think it could be a really fun movie based on what I've heard from cast members, what I've seen from trailers, what I've heard from David F. Sandberg. But I just don't think it's something that can appeal to a billion-dollar audience. See, that's where I was kind of on the fence. I feel like... Shazam's going to be like, what, PG-13 probably? Yeah, I'm sure. And it's kind of this superhero spin on big, which seems like it could draw in like families. Like I could see mm -hmm. a Home Alone crowd going to see Shazam. But I think you're right in the sense that right now, it hasn't really marketed itself that no. well. I mean, there's so much more to reveal. Like who the villain is, what the villain's all about, why The Rock isn't in this movie. <laughs> if, the, um, if The Rock was in this movie, I'd sing a different tune. Oh, yeah. I'll I tell you that, because The Rock's marketing train is unbelievable. The Rock's social media following is unbelievable. Zachary Levi, great guy. Not, a, not The Rock. No. And I mean, but there's still so much more to reveal. Like, I mean, just the Marvel family that people don't even know exists, but there's going to be this diverse kind of range of kid characters who become superheroes. If there's a shot of them in a trailer where they yeah. all have, like, those costumes that we've seen and toys and... Or just like, a line of them all just zapping up yeah. and becoming heroes. The, um, you're going to immediately get some buzz. But I agree. Like, you haven't... I haven't seen enough to... I mean, right now I'm kind of in Brandon's camp as far as I think 
Shazam's going to do really well. I don't know if it's going to cross a billion, but I hope it does because I'm, I'm actually excited for it. Um, but I think Joker, unless it's terrible, will be the, like, they'll go out of 2019 on a good note as long as it delivers because it'll be that high-grossing Joaquin Phoenix, all that stuff will we'll tie it in. Do you think Joker could earn, like, the high critics awards nominations if it's, like, a really kind of good... I mean, Black Panther sure. did. You know, socio, <laughs> socio-political <laughs> film dressed up as a comic book I, film. I'm expecting a tone like The Dark Knight from Joker. Not a, yeah. not a story. I don't want a narrative. I don't want a Joker. Anything like what we saw in Dark Knight. I want something fresh. But I'm expecting a tone. I'm expecting like something Christopher like Nolan Scorsese's made. King of Comedy. Yeah. Kind of. I mean, yeah. That's, what, yeah. that's why they got Scorsese involved, so they can yeah. kind of try Which to create is like a very, If you don't know that, and we're just throwing out names, King of Comedy is an old Scorsese movie with Robert De Niro where he's this kind of troubled comedian that kind of has this really messed up night in New York. And it just, it's just an, like, it's just a nuts movie. Um, and it's very famous, but also very critically lauded. I mean, I had to see it for film school. Like yeah. that's where I encountered it. And I feel like this has the traces of it when I look at it. So, all right. Um, I guess that does it for DC. Anybody have anything else to add? I mean, we're just going to see what happens with Shazam and, can I just Joker's say I'm be. very happy that Aquaman has grossed a billion dollars yeah, in the mean, box office. There was who a time, knew, right? Yeah, who there was a time knew? when like I never thought that would happen. No. I'm so excited. Who knew? I'm happy we're getting a Shazam movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, That's me too. It. It's it's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I think it has the premise and all the things to be really highly successful, but I just don't think like I don't think any of the marketing has been very good right now. Somehow Joker has better marketing than Shazam, and Joker has nothing really. To <laughs> Joker um, has that mainstream. Exactly. Tell you got to find a way to tap into that mainstream. But uh, all right, I know a lot of you are going to let us know your thoughts about some DC movie business, so uh, we'll just prepare for that onslaught. <laughs> Coming to our last topic of the day, let's talk 2019. It's a new year. There's a bunch of new stuff coming out, not just in movies, but TV, comic books, and just general geek culture stuff that's going to be happening. So I thought we'd go and each of us could give two things that we're excited for, one to two things that we're really excited for and why in 2019. And uh, let's start at the other end of the couch. We'll start with BD this time and come back this way. I mean, this is easy for me in terms of movies. I mean, there's, there's no, I don't think there's ever been a movie that's been more anticipated than Avengers Endgame. Yeah, it would just be boring if we all said Avengers Endgame. <laughs> sure, I think that um, the closest, uh, it, it, it's a toss-up between which is a bigger event and you, you, some people are going to call me crazy between Avengers Endgame and Star Wars The Force Awakens because... You mean Star Wars you Episode nine? 9? No, I'm talking about The Force Awakens. Oh. No, I'm saying not, um, not for this year, just like oh. of all time oh, anticipation for say. a film. Star Wars The Force Awakens <laughs> was so many years in the making. Like we, Yeah, we had Star Wars films in between like Star Wars and then The Force Awakens. But like, did they count? Were they exciting? Yes. Uh, Shh. <laughs> Producer Jim Viscardi, folks. <laughs> so, but so you get, like getting that cast back together and then delivering. I loved The Force Awakens. Delivering like they did was great. It was a cultural phenomenon. Like going out to dinner and like your waiter. I wore an Archer D2 hat to dinner one time and the waiter was like, "Oh my God, have you seen it yet?" Like those. So when it, when it becomes part of a social environment where you can talk to a stranger about it and it's that big, I think it's awesome. And you think Avengers Endgame is very close. I don't know if it's reached where The Force Awakens was. But it's so close to that, and we're we're still four months, almost four months away from it releasing. So for me, there's there's never been something I've anticipated more 
than Avengers Endgame. Like, this is 11 years in the making. I hope. I, if the movie sucks, I'm probably just going to find a new job. But, I feel uh, like the same logic applies to your second pick, which is a TV show. Yeah, and this this one is another one that hits. Like, And, and I love this show, and it hits the mainstream audience, and it's another culmination of something coming to an end. Uh, Game of Thrones. They're, they're, this is the biggest TV event probably ever. I don't yeah. think there's ever been a TV event this big. No, we couldn't all pick that again, though. Sure, well, sure. <laughs> but, um, hey, you guys made your picks before I did. I know. But well, uh, I knew which you would pick. Sure. But no, dude, Game of Thrones is like, you've never seen production value like that on TV. I've never had a show that pisses me off as much as Game of Thrones does in a way <laughs> that I just crave more. It's like just... Uh, I, I I don't know how to yeah, I mean, appropriately compare it to something. That's not, like, I mean, that's, it's not hard to say that. When that hits in April, like, that's going to shut down. Sunday nights, mean, like, close down the restaurants. Close weeks straight. Starbucks gonna is going to close, down. finally. Because, <laughs> like, they, they're open on Christmas, but they're going to close yeah, so their employees can watch Game of Thrones. Screening events. Man, I'm just scared about, like, oh, man, the level of, like, spoilers. Like, this is event TV. I'm going to say this right now. And we're going to go on tirades in this show from time to time. I'm just going to warn you right now, but here's one. <laughs> Don't come talking about Game of Thrones spoilers. If you are going to be around and alive and on planet Earth and not part of Space Force or something like in April, like be in front of your TV Sunday nights. You got to be a special yeah. kind of loser to try to, to get enjoyment out of spoiling things for people. Well, I'm not talking about spoiling. I'm talking about the people. Oh. I'm yelling at the people who are going to be on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday talking about don't tell me anything oh, on yeah, Twitter. No, I don't God, there's so many spoilers. Like you better just stay away. I'll tell from you what, Monday morning. You better treat it like it's Bird Box. Like come out of your house with blindfolds but on. But Kofi, yeah. that's not how people watch. No, TV. no. This, yeah, for this six weeks. For six weeks. Eight weeks. This is the Super Bowl. You're yeah. not gonna wake up on Monday morning, February sixth, and be like, "Oh, don't tell me who won." No. If you if you can't, this is Game of Thrones. Yeah. Like this is an event. You better watch yeah. it if you Whoever don't want to spoil. Those bodies start dropping. People are going to be talking. It's going to happen. But also, also, if something does leak, don't be that loser in the comment sections posting photos and saying no. Jon Snow this or the dragon does that. Like you get. Come yeah, on, don't dude. don't do that. You do, that's there's a reason you didn't get invited to the it's party. It's so hard for us <laughs> to. It's so hard it. for us to enjoy anything together anymore. Let's try to all enjoy this together, and that's what I think I'm looking forward to in that something we yeah. can actually all enjoy together for a little bit of time. We don't get that in TV much anymore. We get six more. Look at you being positive. Yeah, I know it slips in. Every <laughs> now and slips in every now and again. All right. Well, on that note, let's move to you, Matt. Uh, so my first one is like a no-brainer. Everyone probably knew what I was going to pick. So. Uh, as opposed to Brandon's words earlier, uh, Captain Marvel is going to be fantastic. And I, uh, I am First excited. All, Matt, you, you cannot horn in on my pick. No, no, no. no, 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 no. <laughs> I do not think Captain Marvel's going to suck. I was just theorizing, speculating, <laughs> building a conversation. Matt is not here. intimidated by a super powerful. What player. if it's bad? But it's not going to be. So I don't have to worry about that. So here's the I thing. said that about Iron Man, too. Okay. Wow. Wow. We, Oof. Okay. Don't feed the Even troll. though this is that. from the person, though, that says Homecoming is one of their favorite movies. Whoa, it's a great film. Homecoming. Whoa, I, don't, I don't side with either of you. Spider-Man Homecoming, Homecoming is a great film. It's fine. It's, it's a great average. film. It's average. Spider-Man Homecoming one is a most, great movie. It's fine. One of the most rewatchable movie. movies in the MCU. And, and by down. the way, Far From Home is going to be the same thing. It's going to be all sizzle, wow. almost no substance. Wow. Spider it's going to be forgettable. That's unbelievable that you think Spider-Man Homecoming is not a great movie. It's fine. I didn't say it was bad. All right. We're getting sidetracked. This is about Matt. Because Brandon Horn in on my 
perfect. Okay, this is about your love of Listen, Captain Marvel. Okay, why Captain make Marvel, a sale? Why are you? Hopefully, it's great. You gotta make okay. a sale to the people. Okay, so here's I the thing. I would be so happy if Captain Marvel was as good as Spider-Man: Homecoming. <laughs> Just like, oh my his, god, let him make his so case good. to the people. Make okay, here's the thing. One. I they have not shown a ton of like Brie Larson's range in the trailers, obviously, because they keep hoarding all the secrets. Everyone already knows like who Jude Law's playing, but the studio won't let that out until we get closer yeah. to time. I don't think these trailers have done her or the overall plot justice because they're hiding a ton of stuff. Yeah. It's hard to get an idea. Far from home. I know almost the entire movie from the trailer. You don't just leave for I'm home just saying, just I'm just addressing people, his part. <laughs> so, why Captain America? As far be on as top of so, their okay. So I think it will have far more substance. The reason why is because this movie is really important to the next 10 years of Marvel stuff. We're getting scrolls, we're getting Kree, we're getting Captain Marvel's gonna play a big part, an Iron Man worthy level of part in the next 10 years of Marvel movies. They're gonna set up a lot of things here. I think we're gonna get teases of Secret Invasion, those bigger things that are coming down the pike. This is an important movie for all that. Yes, it's set in the past, but I think it's going to really, over time, we're gonna see how important this movie was. I don't I have no problem. War. I will say, to Matt's point, what we have seen has been Brie Larson playing a character who's basically been lobotomized into being a robot. And saying, and heroes, slowly. noble warrior, but we're not gonna, heroes. But we don't know the rest because they haven't put that out there. I think yeah, it's unfair listen, to judge her entire No, I, I think you make a very good point. I think that this movie will be very important. Like, there is, I want a Secret Invasion movie so bad. I told you, I want to see Jessica Drew try to convince Tony Stark that he's a girl. I want to see that happen. <laughs> and this is where that starts. <laughs> Does that mean this is going to be a great movie? I don't know. I... Moving on. Let's move so, on. Okay, so i got to get to my second pick. <laughs> yeah, <I hope> <laughs> I'm rooting for it. I hope it's great. So my second pick is uh, Power Rangers Beast Morphers. So completely the other end of the spectrum. However... Should I ask what uh, happens if that sucks? No. Well, okay. <laughs> let him, let him. I mean, there's a chance it might suck. There's a chance it might suck, to be, to be honest. Your what world. is Beast Morphers uh, for non-Power Rangers? Okay, so Beast Morphers is the first Power Rangers season under Hasbro's ownership. Now, partly it was developed during the Saban era, who previously owned it, so it's not going to, like, revolutionize things. It's not going to be this complete other different show than people have seen over the last few years. But it will be a step up. I think it will get the community inspired in a lot of ways with the shows. They've been kind of melancholy on the show's quality and things like that. So I think this one will be a step in the right direction. And what's the hook for Beast Morphers? Like, what's the Beast Morphers? Uh, Beast Morphers is essentially like there's a, uh, there's like a, there's, <laughs> well, okay. This is already going well. This is all going well. Uh, essentially, there's a like techno virus, and the way the Beast Morphers combat that is I need to scratch this part <laughs> from the podcast because I don't exactly remember all the stuff that's in between. Well, we can just keep it simple. <laughs> Tell me what like a beast morph is. Just like they haven't really revealed what are the that. Yet. I mean, what are the Transformers? What do the Power Rangers turn into in this one? I mean, they they morph into, into what into like. like Cool looking. They've been like Zeo, but crystals, there's no. Like we don't ninjas, know. Okay, the problem is space warriors. The problem like, is that it's based on GoBusters, which is the Sentai original footage of the show. Ghostbusters. GoBusters, <laughs> which sounds Cross a lot like Ghostbusters. Cross Here's the thing: over. it's based on that, but they haven't revealed like all the Americanized gimmicks and versions. So we still we still don't even have a full trailer for this show yet, even though it's supposed to hit 
March, April. They, they really haven't revealed a ton. Like, we still don't know the names of even all of the Rangers yet. So there's still a lot hidden. So when that gets revealed, I will be able to talk more specifically about it. I'm hooked. Now it's kind I of think vague. your resume just went to the top of Hasbro PR. I didn't. It, yeah, yeah, it should have. <laughs> you just showed the hell. You sold the hell out of that show. All right. So new Power Rangers show coming. Keep your eyes peeled if you're a Power Rangers fan. That brings it to me. Beast And first. to wrap this up, uh, here are my two picks for 2019. I am excited for the thing that Brandon is most skeptical probably about, which is Star Wars Episode <gasps> Nine. Ooh. I have enjoyed the new era of Star Wars. Um, I'm a person who, I'm a Star Wars fan. I'm not a hardcore Star Wars geek that gets into that whole toxic side of the fandom. I don't do that. I'm not going to yell at you about, you know, capitalizing force or not or any of that stuff. But I've enjoyed, I've always enjoyed those movies. They're a special part of my background and childhood. And I've enjoyed the new era. I I am a Rogue One enthusiast. Um <coughs> Yeah, I've enjoyed, I enjoyed Last Jedi the second time I saw it. I hated it the first, loved it the second, and still like it on the third. Um, and I even liked uh, Solo, which I rewatched on Netflix again. And when you get to just sit down and watch that on Netflix or something, that's, that's a fun movie. And I've enjoyed it. I'm really excited for episode nine. I'm excited because it is endeavoring to not just wrap up this new trilogy, but bring the entire Skywalker nine-part saga to a close. And as someone who's been heavily invested in all the movies and the animated series dealing with the Skywalkers and all that stuff, like, I'm interested to see how this brings it to a final close and just what kind of spaz out is going to happen within the fandom. Because this will be, I mean, this is the end of an era. Star Wars began as the Skywalker saga and kind of expanding, officially expanding the franchise Beyond that, as we just tested the waters with in The Last Jedi, and we saw that reaction, so I am really curious about what's going to happen when they really officially push past that element, like that aspect of the uh, saga, and open it up to whatever the Game of Thrones guys are working on, whatever Ryan Johnson's working on next, whatever they have planned for other spinoffs eventually when they get back to those and standalones like i'm really interested to see that so star wars is at the top of my list even though it's coming very late in the year uh the other thing i'm going to talk about is the next phase of dragon ball which is something i am really invested in um i got invested in dragon ball in the 90s when some kid showed up at my house with a super nintendo import game for dragon ball cell saga which was just 16-bit characters and split screen firing like weird 16-bit lasers across screens and <laughs> each other and most of it was just flying away from your opponent as far as possible so you could charge up and scream and do all that but i mean i've been fascinated with it ever since then i was fascinated when they started airing dragon ball z in the late 90s and i jumped back in since working here and seeing the popularity of anime and how it's grown so mainstream i got back into dragon ball super at a great time for some great arcs in the anime and the release of the new movie dragon ball super broly which Came in at number three at the U.S. box office, which is crazy. I mean, I don't think we've put enough spotlight on how crazy it is that anime has become so big that an anime release in Japan, a movie release, is making the yeah. top five at the American box office. So, Dragon Ball Z, I mean, a Dragon Ball Super Broly is now out, and that is a major retcon for the franchise. It basically reorganizes the entire backstory of Goku, Vegeta, and the Saiyans, and sets up the future and there's exciting things happening in Dragon Ball this year. We're going to get an, the announcement of a new anime series since Dragon Ball Super's first installment 
ended before Bro, so that you know they could do Broly. The manga has entered a new storyline that is super duper exciting and has so many big implications for how the series could really continue to change. And there's a bunch of side projects where they're kind of testing the waters with things like the Dragon Ball Heroes promo anime, which is basically a fan service anime anime where they can just break all the rules of continuity and do whatever the hell they want. And it's all very exciting. And the franchise has never been more popular, more profitable. And they're going to, like I said, they're doing, they're already signs of some really exciting things happening. So I think 2019 is going to be another great year for Dragon Ball. And I'm really excited to cover it, follow it, enjoy it as a fan, all of the above. So that's it for me. So if you guys have anything for 2019 out there that you want to talk about or just throw into the ring, again, we'll give you our Twitter handles and all that stuff in a moment. And you could also probably hashtag us at Comic Book Nation and we'll be starting to discuss and talk with you. So that's going to be it for today. That's the it for our deep dive discussion. And next, we're just going to say goodbye and let you know a little bit where about where you can find us. So this is going to be Comic Book Nation. We're going to be here twice a week. Yes, we'll be here twice a week doing uh, episodes. So you can come in and check out what we're doing. Stay with us. Because like I said, this is going to be for you guys, the fans, to be able to kind of hear more from us than an article allows and speak back to us. And we really want to get into that dialogue with you guys and have you be part of the show. You can find me, Kofi Outlaw, online at Twitter, at Kofi Outlaw. That's K-O-F-I-O-U-T-L-A-W. Matt Mueller. Uh, you can find me at Matt Mueller CB on Twitter. And Brandon Davis. And you can find me anywhere at Brandon Davis BD. And I hope you'll watch our Comic Book Now show Mondays uh, at 2 p.m. Eastern Time on Facebook.com slash Comic Book Now. And starting on February 10th, if you're a Walking Dead fan, I'll be hosting uh, After the Dead with Janelle Wheeler. We'll be recapping uh, Walking Dead episodes on the same Facebook page, facebook.com slash comic book now, after each new episode of The Walking Dead, and that starts up February 10th. So, This podcast is mandatory. That other stuff, optional. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Get into the whole brand. It's all good. Yeah. Follow BD on Comic Book Now. Great show. And After the Dead, great Walking Dead wrap-up show. Probably one of the best. Sorry, Chris. Didn't mean to throw you under the bus there. <laughs> On that note, that'll do it for Comic Book Nation. We're going to get out of here, and we hope you guys ride with us. We'll be recording every Wednesday and Friday, so make sure you jump in and be a part of the experience. We really want to hear from you guys, interact with you, and uh, generally bring you closer to what we do here and everybody who does it. I'm Kofi Outlaw, and we're going to say goodbye and have a good day.